Mirmani Press presents Death Donor by Matt Ward. More information on the author at mattwardwrites.com to purchase the complete audio adventure or to download the entire techno-thriller free with a free trial of Audible, visit deathdonor.com. Sam. Darren, call me. Where was he? He wasn't at home, hadn't shown for work, or messaged me in hours. Deep breath. This was his way of dealing with things. It made it hard, us being so different. And war didn't compare. I contemplated the half-empty jack on the cluttered coffee table. Maybe later. My stomach was sloshing. Hungry, too. Trudging into the kitchen, I opened the creaking fridge and grabbed eggs, activating the news in the background. Malia loved eggs. Protesters hijacked another body disposal truck outside DDI's headquarters. Click. Only six months to become certified. No thanks. Not another career-in-plumbing infomercial. Everyone shits doesn't mean I want to deal with it. Actually, play podcasts. NPR's A History of War continued where I'd left off, the U.S.-Mexico border crisis. Following actions of the Trump administration, relations soured as rising global temperatures demanded ever greater cooperation. An influx of refugees and migrant workers. Cracking the eggs in the olive oil-coated scratcher, I turned on the old induction burner. I was feeling old faithful when a high-priority notification buzzed. Now what? An email. Account deposit notification. $27,000. Damn Nigerian princes. Delete. Wait. It was from sales at ddi.com. A bonus? Bullshit. Choking, I sat. That was more money than we'd had since Darren's mom dumped her shit on us. I paused to reread the subject before opening it. Account deposit notification, $27,000. We have received the following transfer. Item number 36471849. Amount, $27,000. From Defying Death Industries, Incorporated. Fee, 5 cents. Receive date, 05-28-2055. Service, same day. No notes? No explanation? I forwarded it to Darren. Know what this is about? I mean, I'd take it, but... Wait, what was that smell? The eggs were burning. Ethan. Still no Jones? It had been a week. Did she need more time? There were plenty of vetted bodyguards out there, men, too. I'd have to talk to Vlad about a replacement, or maybe he knew something I didn't. I leaned back in the Tutankhamun recliner at the head of the Egyptian table and took a strawberry ketone sip as the holograms of the board watched Omar outline what happened. Good news is, no one died. Thank God. I loved a good religious pun. And we got Fox and CNN to pull their coverage. Their leadership are DDI subscribers, so we upped their spots in the queue. People were so easy. We have a PR nightmare on our hands. 
Garrett, our crafty-eyed head of PR with the Roman nose, said. What sparked the outburst? Was this organic or spurred by SLI or someone else? That was the question, but no one had answers. Come on, people, I snapped. Find out. Garrett, talk to CI after this. Find out what counter-intel knows. Were there rumblings? Any dark web contracts or hacks out there? We need a report and recommendation by this time tomorrow. What was I paying these idiots for? He agreed, and the meeting wrapped, everyone scrambling to protect the stock. And no one had more vested in this than me, over a quarter of the trillion-dollar company and a majority super-voting shares. But the mission was what really mattered. I'd promised myself after Bobby. Everyone filed out as Vlad entered. Speak of the devil. I wanted to talk to you. Sir, we may have a problem. It's Jones. I sat back in my cushioned chair. Couldn't this wait? Tell me. Vlad swallowed. Shit, he was always unflappable. What? Her husband. He was processed, he said. Oh, fuck. You're kidding. Vlad shook his head. Yesterday. Oh, boy. I hadn't factored for that. That made things interesting. Did they need the money that bad? The big Russian shrugged. Not my job. Just thought I'd tell you. Damn it, Jones. She'd had been with me for ages. Were there gambling debts or something? I'll talk to her. Vlad left, and as usual, I was forced to do damage control after hitting the weights and sauna. The sun god, Ra, gave me a knowing look as I exited the Egyptian room. He was a god. He knew the feeling. Sam. No. What do you mean he was processed? My knees crumbled on Ethan's couch in the middle of his uncaring living room as words tumbled out, mind reeling. A donor? Impossible. No. I was going to be sick. Ethan nodded, sighing. Damn it, how could that prick be so relaxed about all this? I closed my eyes and took a deep breath, still half drunk from when Dee Dee's limo picked me up an hour earlier. Darren's dead? I asked. There must be some mistake. Was this one of those punked shows or a bad VR sim? I'd kill him, I'd fucking kill him! Ethan leaned back in his rocker. Yes, but he also gave someone else the gift of, I don't give a flipping dick's ass about someone else's life extension. I swallowed hard. First Malia and now Darren? This wasn't happening, it couldn't. My stomach spasmed. Ethan reached over and put his hand on my shoulder. I smacked it away. He sighed. I know, Jones. Look, it was a mistake. He never should have been processed, but he did volunteer. And that was supposed to make things better? How about this? He added. We'll take 20 years off your death insurance wait period and add you to the company policy now. It'll be like he gave his life to save yours. I didn't reply. Did he think he could buy me off? Extend a life not worth living? The arrogant prick. Why not just kill me? It'd be more humane. And it's not like Darren and Malia's policies mattered anymore. 
If anything, he'd come out on top. He always did. Ethan rose like a coward, eyes flicking to Boris in the hallway. I've got a phone call. Any excuse to leave? Soldier in me took over. Pull yourself together. I'd handled worse. I'm fine, sir. I'll be back on the job Wednesday. Thank you, sir. Was he really gone? Darren. My lips quavered. No, no. I was fine. I had to be. Ethan sighed, relief crossing his face as he darted away. I sat for who knows how long, head in my shaking hands as around me, life continued, and Maria yelled something to the automatic oven. Seemed unreal. Two lives, $27,000, and five extra years for me. Was this a joke? What if I just killed myself? I had the gun. I wasn't some handbag bitch that needed pills. But Lieutenant Croders would chew my ass out. Never give up! Never surrender! I was a soldier, damn it. I was a soldier. Ethan's limo drove my lifeless body home, playing cheering music with flowery scents as we raced through the crowded city as if AI-derived neuro-cues would make things better. The alcohol wore off, my mind brewed. The system was corrupt. Everything was fucked. I worked for a freaking life extension company, and my husband's life hadn't been saved, but stolen. My daughter, too. All so some rich dickhead could go on accruing interest, enjoying life and banging underage girls. No one cared. No one said anything. Politicians, boob-jobbed blondes, CEOs. Everyone was in on it. Everyone with means, anyways. Was this my red pill moment, drenched in alcohol, half-dead in this fancy-ass limo? Why was I here? If I was a failure as a mother, as a wife, why be born at all? We pulled up to our little house. My little house now, I guess. I dragged myself to the door. Inside, I headed to drown my sorrows, reaching for the latest bottle. What did it matter? No, they deserved better than this. My hand stopped trembling and I grabbed the cheap rum. Popped the cork, I walked to the window by the sink. My reflection was terrible. Bloodshot, hair a mess, days-old mascara blurred. Peering down the throat of the bottle, a convulsing wave of grief shook me. Damn it! I smashed the glass cabinet that held our cups, fragments scattering everywhere. Crystal shards in the sink glittered with sunlight as the blood dripped from my fist. Squeezing the bottle, crimson fell, blood and booze mixing as I dumped the poison with a satisfying gurgle. I collapsed to the floor, anger and grief racking me in convulsions. It hurt so much I could scream. Tears came. No more emotions, not that. It was too painful to feel. Better to feel nothing, or be dead. Dead. They'd killed them so they could live. No more feeling sorry for myself. I was done being a victim. My rage needed a target. 
One way or another, someone was going to pay. An eye for a fucking eye. Mama Bear was back. Revenge would be sweet. 7 a.m. sharp, I pulled into the compound. Quinton, the new guy on the team, straight out of seals, and with the scars to prove it, did a double-take at my blood-red lips. Looking good, Jones. A quick scan for explosives or biochemical weapons, and I was in, 30 minutes early, and that was after hitting the weights and showering. I checked in with Vlad in his command center. Must be nice having a place on site, what with the facilities and chefs, the good life. He was in the middle of a pod-shaped area, eyes darting between permanent monitors on the walls and invisible screens on his AR lenses. How he could take it all in was beyond me. You're back, Jones. He raised an eyebrow. Felt good, I lied, ready to get back. Bullshit, Vlad said. You were fuck all and needed a healthier way to drown the pain. I get it. But if you're back, you better freaking be back. Can't afford any F-ups. I'm good, boss. I'm back, I said with forced confidence. He gave me the Stalin eye, sizing me up without an ounce of perv before nodding his approval. Upstairs, sub-basement one. Get on it. I left at a trot. Ethan was on the phone when I found him, in the Machu Picchu room, pacing. We'd love to have you here, Senator. He held up a finger, and I was distracted by the Incan ruins lining the walls, table a designer's dream with steeped levels and everything. Think about it. It'll be the party of a generation, and would be a shame. The call ended, and Ethan looked my way. Perfect. Things are coming together. Oh, Jones, you're back. Is it Wednesday already? Waiting until Wednesday would have killed me, alone in that dinky memorial to happier times. Was ready to be back, sir, I said. A party? The billionaire smiled. It pays to have friends in high places. Mike. It had been three days since the riot, and my stomach was in knots. I hadn't slept that night or the one after. That girl's face. It was gone. Her life ended before my eyes. And it was my fault. If I hadn't been there. I'd called Jamie afterward, had to hear her voice. It helped, Reggie's scotch too, but I couldn't shake the broken emptiness. Protesting an L.E. company these days, it was unheard of. And so much hate. I'd been thirty seconds from the front of the crowd when the guards opened fire, thirty seconds from just another casualty. Death insurance wouldn't have helped me, nothing would. And yet I'd gone to the rally. Why? It was a political opportunity, a chance to capitalize on others' suffering. Was I that narcissistic? My stomach roiled. Was that what these companies were? Stains on society? Stealing from the poor and giving to the rich, literally? Trading time for money? The oven dinged. Your filet mignon is ready, Michael. Talk about ironic. Heaving myself from the couch, I trudged to the kitchen. Reggie was there, as always, sipping a spiked Americano. Omega-3s, zinc, and cinnamon, his latest kick. Try hard. He had five more years before the security firm I'd contracted him and Wallace through made good on his death insurance. He was doing everything in his power to stay healthy, 
and made me look like a chump. I should do better, but couldn't bring myself to sweat it out at the gym, eat like a monk, or ditch the occasional booze. Ava had thought I was nuts. She'd done everything right. Early morning yoga, organic smoothies, the ancestral diet, the whole nine yards. Then again, it hadn't worked out for her, had it? Smells good, Reggie commented as the oven seared the steak one last time. When I didn't reply, he added, Everything okay, boss? You've been off. Ugh, the protests. What else could I say? Reggie nodded. Pretty brutal, huh? But that's life for some folks. Gotta get by somehow. His words struck me. You ever considered becoming a donor of checking out? And deprive the ladies? Reggie laughed. I think not. In all seriousness, I've had friends go that route. Classmates, too. Economy's shit. No jobs, and the education system is a joke. He grabbed his fork and plate, carrying it to the table as I hurried after him. We both skewered our juicy steaks. A handwritten invitation sat in the entrance of my apartment when I woke the following morning. Sturdy cardstock design. Fancy. You're cordially invited to DDI's Midsummer Fest. Join us for the party of the decade. June 21st, 2055. 7 p.m. to midnight. The Anderson Estate. 007 Anderson Drive, Marietta, Georgia. Interesting. Somebody was full of themselves. I checked my calendar and shuffled a few minor appointments. Georgia's Attorney General, the Enhanced Meat Lobby, and RSVP'd at once. Normally, swanky corporate donors were a drag, but a DDI party. Ethan Anderson had a reputation. Oh yes, he did. Sam. Was this right? The seedy back alley of overflowing dumpsters, shagging pups, and a flashing neon titty bar was the last place you'd put an L.E. clinic. I checked my GPS again. But this was it. 101 Wood Valley Drive. No sign out front. The windows were broken, and crushed antidepressants littered the grimy asphalt alongside a slew of needles. The old-fashioned handle creaked when it opened, a dark split-level wooden staircase greeting me. I chose up, never one for dungeons after Saudi, and made my way as my pulse quickened. Cobwebs lined the grimy windows and chipped white walls. A light flickered, and I reached for my gun. This was stupid. There was no chance in- Shit! What was that? Footsteps. A door opened, and I retreated. Follow me, sir. This way. The doctor will see you. Footsteps faded into the distance above me. The doctor? In this shithole? I waited, holding my breath, before resuming my silent climb. Was this it? At the landing, I slid against the wall and peered in. The place was empty, but spotless, bright halogen lights illuminating the white tile floor, lazy boys in the far corner, and an automated reception desk dominating the middle of the room. This was Health Services Unlimited, HSU, the clinic that robbed me of my baby girl? Are you kidding? Deep breath. This might be my one chance. Opening the door, again a metal handle to avoid suspicion, I hurried in. Everything was brand new, even the floors squeaked. In the center of the room, a high-res greeter bot materialized, 
a beautiful Asian woman in a yellow kimono, hair pulled back in a bun that screamed precise professionalism. How can I help you? Saying nothing, I touched the minuscule black mole-like devices stuck to my face, glad I'd bought the facial recognition distorters. They emitted UV light at programmatic angles to fool surveillance cams and scramble video feeds. As long as I didn't say anything, I should be fine. Where was the hologram's source? The small console was on the far wall, and I checked the serial number, making a note and picture, and went for the door. I made it to the dreary alley without seeing a soul, and hauled ass. If they had database backups, Amir would be able to hack them. On the way to Tech's campus, I called him. Hey, Amir, you busy? A flustered, half-Pakistani voice answered. Sam? Sam Jones? That you? I'm in your neck of the woods. Want to meet for coffee? We agreed, and soon enough, we're sitting in the campus's Starbucks in the shell of the old football stadium, abandoned almost twenty years since the ban. It had been ages since we'd seen each other, busy with kids and all. Amir hadn't aged a bit, other than a balding patch above his always furrowed forehead. He was just as skinny, just as jittery, and still wore nerdy, unattractive polos, albeit fancier. I couldn't help but smile. It had been too long. Fancier than I remembered. AI-assisted baristas, an assembly line of automated espresso machines, a room in the back to roast your own beans. Busy students spread like cicadas across the library-esque tables and comfy chairs. How's the research going? It had something to do with alternative general intelligence, whatever that meant. There's a reason he'd finished high school and university and I'd jumped into the military. But he'd always been good about it, had a crush for the longest time. It's going well. We're about 15 to 20 years from true AGI. It was always 15 to 20 years with these guys, as long as I could remember. You mean Skynet? Wait, that's not what I'm here for. Before he could bite back, I said, Actually, Amir, I need your help. Sure, if I can. Owe you for that heads up about the DOD's honeypot. If it wasn't for you, I'd have a nice orange jumpsuit for my scrawny Indian ass. I told him, stopping for the occasional caffeinated hit. His sharp brown eyes never blinked, fingers twitching like always when he analyzed a hard problem. Miss Whittle would have lost it. Let me get this straight, he said. You need a handheld device to break an encrypted network security protocols without flagging the sysadmin and bypass agree to bots virus and malware protection? Can you do it or not? Even as a tenured professor, he overcomplicated everything. Why did guys think girls liked a show-off? Sure, you can buy one off the dark web and modify it. Give me two days. But are you sure this is a good idea? I shrugged. If it was your family, what would you do? He winced, biting his lip. Don't worry, I said. If I get caught, I'm no rat. He laughed. Remember that abandoned church? Damn autopilot programming? Can't believe you took the heat. We both had a laugh at the cops who'd investigated that one. Amir finished the modifications in a day, and we met the next night at a salad express, like old times, when we'd both been broke as hell. I wasn't sure if he'd chosen this place for the memories, or because I couldn't afford much better. Either way, I was glad. Leaning over the counter, boasting cheap and healthy, buffet-style trays in hand, we weighed our options. 
In truth, we both knew what we wanted, same as always. Spinach and lettuce, tomatoes, ground chicken, and chickpeas, I said as the robotic arm prepared, with walnuts and a side of avocado slices. My reusable tray was loaded and ready before the words left my mouth, facial recognition pulling my order history. Amir stepped forward, but the robot was slower this time, waiting for his order. In essence, a Caesar salad with mutton, no croutons, and three layers of onions. It was disgusting. Food in hand, we grabbed an empty plastic table under the cartoon carrot mascot and sat with a squeak, opening our trays. He slid the circular device to me under the table, and I dropped it in my bag before touching my food. I was starving. It's been forever. We should toast. He lifted his lemon-flavored water, he hadn't gotten the memo on artificial sweeteners, and said, To old friends, good health and better times. And to mischief and mayhem, I added with a smirk. He flushed, and we ate. Tonk turned to his family. It's been hard on Emily and her auntie. Her grandma is stubborn as an ass, and her mind's been set ever since Emily's grandpa died. Now she's refusing treatment— says she's done with L.E. and ready to expire, to meet her Kurt in heaven, really believes all that, says she's seen the world and had her ride. How selfish, right? So that's why he was looking so good. They can afford it? How old is she? Amir smiled. I got lucky, married into it. Both her parents came from money. Her dad's side is in pharma, and her mom's cheap outsourced coders. She's 102 and had three treatments, but tests say she's got six to twelve months. Emily's worried about how the kids will react, great-grandma dying and all. I was speechless. It was so far outside my reality. Did he expect sympathy? Isn't that her right? Amir winced like I'd slapped him. I mean, I guess, but dying? It's not like money is an issue. With nothing to say, I changed subjects. Any big plans coming up? We're doing the Nordics in two weeks for Midsummer's Eve, then ten days in Buenos Aires and a tour of the Alps and Central Europe in late fall. It's beautiful that time of year, and the kids haven't been yet. You only live once, right? Yes, I do. That was a ton of vacation time, not to mention the flights. What about work? He shrugged. The job's more of a passion. We have a handful of rental properties and money in the markets. He'd moved up in the world. Conversation turned to me, and things got more awkward. Our lives had diverged, and the more I learned, the larger the chasm grew. What happened to two broke kids hustling for a hamburger? It was like the world had left me behind. Or at least Amir had. I had a big night ahead of me. After this shift, I'd find Malia's killer. Ethan was in the middle of an intense rowing workout, pushing himself against the simulator as Boris roared encouragement. Standing in the corner of the gym, hands behind my back, I checked the doorways again. It had been three days since Amir gave me the device, but with Ethan's party preparations, I'd been too busy to do much. Sounded like there was an announcement coming, but I hadn't the slightest idea. And Ethan being Ethan, he wasn't saying. During the last sprint, magnetic rowers screaming as Ethan's legs fired, shirtless back muscles exploding with force, he stopped, tapping his temple. He never cut training short. Never. Must be important. I caught myself listening. <laughs>
His eyes darkened as he rose. Lee, is that you? You bastard. A pause, listening. You poached our top scientist. He had a non-compete. Ethan's eyes blazed into SLI's president. Screw you, son. I'll see you in court. And yes, we've got connections to try your ass in China. He signed off and slammed the 100-pound heavy bag, display panel registering 1350 PSI, not far off a competitive heavyweight. If that's how he wants to play, fine. Ethan stormed out, and Boris shot me a confused look. SLI. Boris never was the sharpest, but a world title in Krav Maga will do that to you. I caught Ethan at the elevator. Anything I can do, sir? Short of killing that fucking Chinaman, no. He sighed. Things were going so well in Hamburg. R&D was close to a breakthrough. This will set us back six months. What now? I asked. Ethan's brow furrowed. We hit back and regroup. The next meeting was straight out of a spy film. Ethan wanted intel on our assets in China, and a shady woman in sunglasses and all-black Armani outlined potential countermeasures. Ethan smiled as she highlighted high-ranking SLI members we'd turned or had compromising material on. Looked like we were playing for keeps. Ethan came to me afterwards and put an ominous hand on my shoulder. This meeting never happened. He didn't have to say more. You have been listening to Death Donor by Matt Ward. For more information, to purchase the complete audio adventure, or to download the entire techno-thriller free with a free trial of Audible, visit deathdonor.com. <laughs>